Welcome to Welcome the Gun Show. I am joined by Garrett. Hey, everybody. And Eric. Hello, everybody. And tonight we're very glad to welcome Jacques Wagner, who owns Crazy Monkey Centurion, to the show. Uh, Jacques is a first degree Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt, um, a functional boxing coach, general sadistic torturer. Um, we're really excited to have him on the show. So, Jacques, thanks very much for joining us. Hey, everybody. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Jacques will so, from here forth be known as coach. <laughs> all good, all good. That's just the job coach. title, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason we decided to have Jacques tonight is while we generally talk about gun stuff and, 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 and gun guy related things, uh, guns are not the be all and end all of defensive stuff. Uh, they're super useful, and if you have the choice, it's always nice to have one. Um, but there are there are a lot of situations where either you can't have a gun with you. You might be in a country where carrying a gun is a problem. You might be in a country where carrying a gun is not a problem, but you're on an airplane in a hospital. You've gone to visit another country, whatever. Um, and then there are a lot of times in, in life where force is a viable option, but a gun is not necessarily the right answer or even a, a good idea um, in, in those situations. So that's kind of what we wanted to cover with Jacques tonight, a, a, a discussion about um, what, you know, we can't teach you how to be a ninja um, over the podcast, but but why you want to go seek out sort of unarmed training and, and a little bit about that. So, uh, Jacques, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you you ended up here, you know, and not on the show. That's because you lost a bet, but um, with the, you know, with the jiu-jitsu and, the, and the, the CMD and the boxing and all of that. Yeah, let me just clarify, I actually won the bet but I decided to be on the show anyways. So that's always the way. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, as, a, as a kid, I was always interested in martial arts. Um, in the old days, like I said, uh, giving my age away here, but in the days of VHS cassettes and uh, actually having like stores where you could go and rent the stuff, we'd always go and rent the, the martial arts movies, the Kung Fu movies, the Ninja movies and stuff like that. And it always fascinated me. And it was something that I always were drawn to, but I never actually got to do it because in those days it was very few and far between that you could actually find a school to go and train at, especially a, a functional school. So most of the guys either did karate or they did maybe some form of amateur Greco-Roman wrestling type thing, or some of the guys, if they were fortunate and they stayed more into the town area, they could go and do boxing. Um, and to be brutally honest, for the most part of my school career, I was always bullied. I was considered the odd one out. Um, the friends that I kept, we were sort of like the geeks and the, the nerds, so to speak. We we rather used uh, you know our time to go and play computer games and go to the cafe and play the 20 cent coin machines. And people didn't like us because we weren't the athletic guys. We weren't the jocks. Those people tend to pick on us 
And uh, because of that, my dad decided, okay, well, I need to learn how to do something. And he enrolled me into a martial arts school just around the corner from our house. And lo and behold, it's literally like a Karate Kid movie. When I walked in, the kids who were bullying me were the kids literally standing on the floor there with a couple of belts above me. And not only did I get beat up in school, but I got beat up in my karate school as well by them. And I soon left and not really did anything. And then when I went to my military service for a year, I actually bumped into my current coach, who was Rodney King. And he had a very unique approach to martial arts. And now we're talking in circa 1991-92. And his whole thing was always to be like the Bruce Lee, but more functional, a little bit more hands-on approach, try to walk away from the stigma from the traditional martial arts in that sense. And when we actually left the, the military, he went to Thailand. He literally had his ticket the day we, we walked out of the army together and he flew to Thailand for six months and he trained. Long story short, I met up with him about 10 years later and uh, I started training functional martial arts. At that stage, it was mixed martial arts. We started doing that. But in the interim, I actually did my own traditional stuff and I did Taekwondo for a, for a very long time. That was sort of my job. And that's what I did as a full-time job. And that's what I'm still doing currently as I'm a full-time martial arts coach. And like I said, we coach functional martial arts. So I did it as a, as a need for self-protection at that stage. And literally why I started when I got out of the army is to go and beat up the bullies. Literally, I went to because I didn't finish school. Ultimately, I, I had to leave the school in the middle of standard eight due to the fact that the guys did bully me and I didn't want to be at school. And at a stage, the teachers also started charming in on the whole process because it was just what they did. And they thought they could motivate me that way. And that's the worst thing that they could have done. Um, I actually went to my high school. They, they contacted me 20 years later to the high school reunion. And I went there literally with the intention to hit people. That's literally why I went. Wore clothing that was easily, uh, that I could, if they, they couldn't grab me with it, I had footwear that I could move with and I had everything planned. I was going to hit some people in the face. And when I got there, all those people weren't there. And actually that's when I realized ultimately that for the last 20 years, they were still bullying me. They were still taking up space in my head. And that's where we sort of come from for, for crazy monkey centurion anyways, is we try to teach functional martial arts. We try to teach stuff that will work for the everyday guy and gal in the street, but also there's a huge mind shift that gets incorporated with that. You also have to understand that martial arts can be used as a vehicle to empower you and also use it to make sure that you get something out of life in the sense of if you need to deal with a stressful situation at work and all the rest of this stuff. So yeah, that's how I started. I'm still currently training. I've been doing, like I said, martial arts now for the last 27 years as a full-time job. So yeah, man, awesome stuff. So, uh, Two things from that. The first one is we're planning a show on uh, sort of mental management for, for guys who compete. Now we're, we're talking yeah. specifically competition stuff because uh, sure. sport shooting stuff. But I think based on what you said with the, uh, uh, the mind shift that is involved in the training that you do, I think that we should probably get you onto that panel too. Dibag, make note. Sure. Um, you're, you're the producer, bitch. 
Oh, fuck. I'm the producer. I'll make notes. I'm the pretty face. Remember that. Uh, the, the second thing, Jacques, um, yeah. could you explain a little bit what you mean by functional martial art? So I, I think I understand exactly what you mean, but could you explain all the listeners who, who don't know how functional martial arts differ from traditional martial arts or even uh, sports or, or competitive uh, fighting. Sure. So um, functional martial arts is actually martial arts that can work on the street. So our studio is not a competitive studio. So we don't do, say, for example, if you look at the, the terms of traditional martial arts, like most people know, a carter, where we basically punch the air and we do specific predefined moves to imaginary opponents. We don't really do that simply because of the fact that that is not real. When you go out in the street, we teach you how to survive in the street. So our boxing is not for an MMA cage, although it's very similar to mixed martial arts, but there's a couple of changes, especially in the sense because there is no referee in the street. We can do stuff that is frowned upon in, say, something like an EFC or a UFC type of environment. The places where I strike you or where I try to strike you is not like the, the old Kung Fu movies where you try to pluck out the guy's eye and you hit a pressure point and you have the demuck with a death touch and if I hit you here tomorrow you're going to spew blood and all the rest of this stuff. If I hit you, I want to hit you in a spot where I can cause a effect and that effect leads to something specifically what we're trying to do is a knockout so if you know anything about mma it's very similar to the mma thing where we use boxing we use um Muay Thai specifically, which is Thai boxing, so that we incorporate some of the kicks in there. And obviously, when we kick, it's very low line kicks, kicking to the kneecaps, kicking to the shins, um, stuff like that. So the person can't grab your leg, but also that you're not off balance, so that you fall down. Because if you hit the ground, that's one of the worst places where you can be. But if you should hit the ground, we also have the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, which is everybody knows, sort of like. Hoist Gracie and the Gracie family and the Gracie Jiu Jitsu thing. So then that steps in where it's a it's a a roll on the floor, but once again with strikes, not your traditional Brazilian Jiu Jitsu as you would know it, because our our pure intent is similar to what Helio Gracie always wanted it, and that's purely for self-preservation. So in the old days, when you used to train jiu-jitsu, you would actually train with striking in there. And in Brazil or in um, the Southern American countries, they used to call it valetudo, which meant everything goes. So you could actually hit somebody in BJJ, which is now not allowed. So like I say, my guys in my studio, we don't train for competitions. We don't train to get that extra point so we can win a gold medal. We train and we do this stuff so that we can go home to our families and our loved ones. And if we need to protect them we can do that so that's functional if you look at traditional martial arts and i'm not going to name any names because some people obviously do them and they don't understand that until they've been to some form of a mixed martial arts school or a functional training school um, then you'll understand that when you train you need to train in a specific way to spar and the thing that always amazes me about traditional martial arts and i might be stepping on some toes when i say this but when those guys get into some form of a street fight or altercation at a at a bar or you know you're at a venue and somebody's looking for some 
some issues with you and you have to go hands-on. It looks like very bad boxing ultimately at the end of the day. They still do something that represents a jab. They still do something that represents a cross or a hook or an uppercut that you'll find in boxing, but it's done very, very poorly. And for me, I would much rather spend my time training against the resisting opponent, which is very, very important because I want to have somebody that gives me the energy that I would get on the street. If you're holding back to a certain degree, and like I say, we're not stupid. We're not punching each other in the head. We have what we call progressive stress inoculation. So we'll start out very, very light and then work ourselves up to where we're sparring basically at full contact, but still with our intent to keep your training partner in a safe environment, not trying to knock them out because obviously too many punches to the head has an adverse effect. If you go and look at any boxer, that's the, you'll you'll see that immediately, especially if they've been in the game for long enough. So yeah, we we try to keep our stuff for the street, and we don't do it as a as a sport, so to say. That makes sense. Um, so, so, so to clarify, and, and this is very disappointing, does that mean if I watch both series of Cobra Kai back to back, I still need to come to gym on Monday? Uh, no, you, you, you don't have to, but other people will. <laughs> <laughs> is Terex already too deep? Right? Yeah, no, no. He's, he, he's already had access to series, the third series. So, I mean... You know, he's already way ahead of the curve when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> I mean, I was going to show you how to do the back somersault and the jump spinning headbutt on Monday, but okay, obviously you don't want to see that stuff, so we'll leave that alone. Oh, can, come on, Monday, I, I'll stop. Can I, can I make a request? <laughs> can we record Terry trying to do that somersault? Of course you can. For a, for a nominal fee, I will do anything that you ask we, me to do. With we'll, we'll pay a nominal fee because that will be the new intro trailer for our YouTube channel, which none of us have decided to create. But because we'll have this awesome I, video now. I, I own our YouTube channel. Welcome to the Gun Show SA is a YouTube channel. We just haven't made any videos yet. Uh, apparently um, we own a YouTube channel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently. And, and, and I'm not asking you to disparage any other arts because I don't think you would, but no. why, why specifically? And I think, I think something that, that's become very big with gun guys or world, the world around is Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Um, why, why, why BJJ? Why, why, why is that a, a logical sort of art for someone who's defensive minded as opposed to Kiai Jitsu or, or Sumo or I'm trying not to mention anything people here actually do. <laughs> the, yeah, so the thing is with, with BJJ, that is as functional as it gets. So let me let me define functional. Then let's let's just quickly draw the line so that everybody is is actually understanding of functional. When you train against the resisting opponent that's giving you the same energy that you are giving them and you're doing it under resistance and you're doing it under duress, that to me is a functional martial arts. We used to call it in the old days aliveness and you need to train in that environment. So if I tell you that you can go to the cricket pitch and if you can just go and uh, bat against the bowling machine there. And if you do that for two months, I'm going to put you into the national cricket team. You'll go, hang on a second. What's, wh how, how does that work? Because 
and I'll just go, but you hit the ball. You had a machine that bowls faster than any other bowler. So you obviously should be able to go and play cricket. You must now now know how it goes. And that's not the case. You know that that's not the case. And with BJJ, the only way that you can actually advance in this is if you wrestle and roll up against resisting opponents. And now comes the big kicker, which people don't like, is everybody wants everything easy. But unfortunately, when you look at boxing, size, weight, and strength does make a difference in boxing. That's why you don't have somebody like a, a baby Jake versus a Mike Tyson, because there's a huge weight discrepancy. They will never be matched up against each other simply because of the fact that Mike Tyson will murder, murder the smaller boxer. That's just the way that it is. However, in normal traditional martial arts, they will pair it up and they'll make it seem that it's easy and you can defeat anybody. And that's far from the truth. If I have to wrestle against somebody that outweighs me with 10 kilograms, I'm going to struggle a bit. If I wrestle against somebody that outweighs me with 30 to 40 kilograms, I'm going to struggle even more. And the thing with BJJ, it's not, <laughs> let me use the term cheap, but it's not the right terminology in the sense that it takes you to get to a black belt on average, anything from 10 years to 14 years plus. So you, you have to stay the time. You have to dedicate an insane amount of time to this. Now, you think about it 10 years what have you done for 10 years you know a lot of people haven't even been in their job for 10 years or they i mean if you look at a doctor they study for seven years and then they get their degree and they they leave and then if they might do a specialization that'll be 10 years hence you get something that they call the the bjj guys they call them a professor when they get there and that's just a, a, a like a, a word of endearment that they give towards the coach it's just like another name for a coach in, in Brazil but yeah it takes a long time and the thing is if you hit the ground with Brazilian jiu-jitsu skills you you know that you can get on top there you can sort of nullify the strength and the reason I say that go look at UFC one to four where you'll see Hoist Gracie go up against huge huge oaks and he does what he does he gets on top of them and he chokes them out and that's why people do it that is functional if you can make somebody's size and weight and strength a little bit more less let's say let me say prevalent then you can get on top you can do some stuff that's why people gravitate to it but there's one major other factor that has to be mentioned and once again it's a mindset thing when you get put into that position, a lot of times inside your head, you want to give up in that position. You will tap due to pressure, not to a submission, but due to the fact that you are feeling very, very uncomfortable in that position. This person has got you in a bad spot. In your head, you're going to the deepest, darkest dungeons that you can find, and you stay there, and you go and live in that little space, and that's not good. So what BJJ teaches you, it teaches you a way to deal with that anxiety. It teaches you a way to deal with that pressure and take that into your everyday life. So when you get you have to go for that major meeting where you, you're trying to sell a million-dollar contract to one of the guys, and you get that butterflies and stuff. Well, now you can use some of that BJJ skills to calm your mind, to calm yourself, to go in there and have confidence. And that's also what also needs to be mentioned. A lot of people these days, and if you look at bullying in a, in a, in a nutshell, it's people don't have self-confidence. People have self-esteem issues. And BJJ has got a way to give that back to you because you know you're rolling up against somebody. Some days you do good. Some days you do bad. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you're always going forward. You're always gaining. As long as you're on the mats, you're always making sure that you get better. The only thing is you have to be better than yesterday. 
I don't have to be better than you. I don't have to be better than Gaz or Corne. I just have to be better than what I was yesterday. And that's it. So mainly the mindset thing, it's functional when you hit the ground. And ultimately, at the end of the day, if you look at any fight, it does hit the ground at some point. If you've ever been in an altercation, you trip over something, the person bumps you, whatever happens, you end up on the ground. Most fights that last longer than 10 to 15 seconds, eventually, most of the times ends up on the ground and you might be on your back and you have to learn how to defend yourself out of that point of view. So, first thing, obviously, Tarek is building the perfect boxing body based on the fact that you said if you've got 30 or 40 kilos on your opponent, you're in a good place. Of course, of course. <laughs> I would just like to point out that heavyweights are the pinnacle of boxing. Uh, I care to differ. Look at Butterbean. Really? Um, uh, just <laughs> edit that. <laughs> heavyweights as a rule as a rule oh, okay. boxing. once again look at Butterbean <laughs> Terry doesn't know where to go with that we better save him Jock is in fact my coach and for some reason I go there multiple times a week for this abuse of course I have to abuse you physically emotionally and mentally that's what you pay me for that's how he builds you up exactly how do you think I exert this this confidence over to you stress you inoculation you? yeah progressive stress inoculation <laughs> so it's all part of the system T. it's all part of the system there's a there's method to my madness apparently so Jacques let's if, if we take size out of the equation, so we just take the, the, the average dude, however you imagine the average dude to be, and they're all average girl, and they're looking at some form of combatives to, uh, to aid them in potential altercations. Sure. Would you start at BJJ or would you start with striking? Uh, this, this, is, this is in the sense of we've tried avoidance, we've tried uh, to, to flee and that has not worked. So it's it's very hard um, because the, the question that you're asking has got two different outcomes here. I know. <laughs> so so the one is out of a functional point of view, obviously I would like to keep the fight standing as much as I possibly can. So I'm always going to try to stay on my feet because going down to the ground, even against and put yourself, let's give a little bit of context here. So you're in a, you're in a bar. Um, there's sports on the TV. You, you happen to yell for one team. There's a bunch of guys on the other side yelling for another team. They win or they lose and you give them a little bit of an issue about it. And now they want to come and smack your face in. I don't want to go down to the ground because as soon as I go down to the ground, they're going to start kicking me around like a soccer ball. So getting down to the ground, then your BJJ skills are not going to mean as much to you. If it's a one-on-one -on -one thing or there's two-on-one, there's a possibility to do it. But as a one-on-one -on -one thing that you have to understand, I would much rather keep the fight standing and I would much rather try to use an approach where I physically go hands-on and I try to hit you in the head. Because once I knock out your operating system, which is your brain, you can no longer carry on with the fight and then ultimately I win. So that will almost be my first thing. But the thing is, when it comes to searching for training, you might have to search a little bit further to find something that is 
actually functional. Because say normal traditional boxing is cool, but they're not going to teach you always for the street. They might teach you for a ring environment. And that's still great. It's still better than, say, going and doing uh, traditional martial arts. And let me call a name here as far as functionality is concerned. If you look at, say, somebody like Steven Seagal, I'm not necessarily going to do what he does as a functional martial arts because it's not functional. And the only thing that you have to do is go and Google the 10 most functional martial arts and the most 10 most useless martial arts and you'll come up with a list of things. You don't, you don't have to take my word for it. But like I say, for me, BJJ and boxing will give you that. So mainly a lot of people going to an MMA school, they'll get the best of both worlds. But once again, you're sitting with a situation where they're not going to train you necessarily for the street. They're going to train you for a ring environment. And there's certain things that you have to understand when it comes to that, especially to the striking ability. Also, when you hit the mat, you're allowed to do certain things when I'm on the mat in my studio that you're not going to be able to do in an MMA school. They, they will frown upon it because you are doing things that's against the, the rules of the tournament that also being said reality-based self-defense or reality-based martial arts also needs to be mentioned because as soon as you put on a pair of camo pants you wear a pocket knife and you can speak in a foreign language that makes you an expert in your field i don't necessarily believe that that is the case why are you guys pulling out knives and pointing knives at me i was about to speak a foreign language <laughs> oh, okay. oh sorry my bad my bad in that case oh, no. right ahead but um most I love it when you speak foreign. Yeah, very foreign. <laughs> <laughs> I can Sorry, guys, we interrupted you. <laughs> no, 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 that's all cool. But now you've got reality-based self-defense out there as well. And the problem with that is, and the problem with martial arts in general that I found is finding the correct instructor or the correct coach, the person to take you through this journey. Because if you go and look, and unfortunately, if you go and look at most reality-based self-defense systems or coaches out there, those people are very fat, very overweight. They've never actually been in a fight in their life before. And now they're trying to teach you how to defend yourself. That I have a huge problem with. And unfortunately, those things are popping up everywhere because everybody is a keyboard warrior and they feel the need to start expressing themselves in a specific way. And now they, they can teach martial arts and we have these things come up. And people, you as the person on the street, you don't know that. So you go with to this person's school with your open slate and clean slate and you go, well, please teach me the way. And they don't know what the hell they are talking about. And that I have a huge problem with because apparently when you wear camo pants, you do it may immediately it makes you a, a master instructor and you can teach people because they will they will respect you for that. And that's the worst thing that you can ever do. So when it comes to choosing a school and things like that, there's certain criteria that you have to adhere to when you start looking for these things. But to answer your question, it's hard. I would go functional boxing first or a stand-up type of thing. And then I will have jujitsu as a secondary thing. If it was up to me personally, I like the BJJ thing because they do teach you to stay standing up. And if you do hit the ground, you do have certain skills that you have at your disposal. But the problem with that is if there's multiple people, you will have a little bit of a problem if you don't train your BJJ in a specific way. And like I say, we 
we try to adhere to Helio Gracie's original purpose intent for it, which was to defend against striking and kicking and actually a self-defense, not a thing for tournaments. So, yeah. And when we're looking at the... I just want to clarify for some of the guys and I'd like you to answer it, but most guys I think think that BJJ is a, it's, it's a ground defense tool, but what they don't realize is that what BJJ offers you is not only the ability to defend yourself, but your ability to regain control of the altercation when you hit the ground and possibly get back onto your feet again. Exactly. That's that's the first thing that you get taught in 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 the BJJ world. So if you once again, like I say, if you come into our studio, any crazy monkey studio, you're going to walk in and when we teach you BJJ, we actually start you in a standing position. We teach you how to close the gap, get into the the fray, so to speak, try to get control of the situation, and try to finish the fight in a standing position. Yes, we don't do the striking thing as far as that is concerned because the crazy monkey boxing method that I coach is way way better so I use a little bit of the the crazy monkey boxing with my Brazilian jiu-jitsu thing but if I just look at BJJ so if you came into my studio and you were just going to do Brazilian jiu-jitsu the first class that you're going to get is how to keep your hands up how to when somebody tries to get hands on we call it the bear posture where you sort of keep your hands splayed in front of you making yourself a harder target to hit or to grab and then go in if the person throws a strike to minimize the damage get onto them latch onto them trip them up and get them to go to the ground, which gives you a better opportunity to turn and flee and run away. That will always be my first defense is always get out of the fray. We're not teaching John Wicks here. We're not trying to create Rambos. That's the first thing that people have to understand because everybody wants to go, well, I want to beat this guy up. You always have to ask yourself the question, is this your ego getting involved in this, in this altercation or is this actually a real life thing that you really need to watch? to defend yourself. And unfortunately, most people's egos gets a little bit damaged and then they want to try to prove a point. And that's the worst thing that you can do because as you guys know, you wear a gun, you've got a knife, all those guys better skilled and a, at a martial art than you, you are going to come off second best. And my problem always with any street altercation is you're not, you don't know how far this person is willing to go. I might be, in a sense, honorable combat. So for me, I will revert to my boxing tools. And if I get beat by you, Cornet, let's say me and you have an altercation, you hit me, you knock me out, I will take my beating like a man. I'll go home and I'll lick my wounds and I'll go, okay, well, you know what, that didn't turn out so well for me. But somebody else might go, well, who knows this Cornet guy? Where does he stay? And the next thing you've got guys coming to your house trying to beat you up or they freaking petrol bomb your house. You don't know where the next person is willing to take this thing. So, you know, this person might be a member of a gang and now he gets the gang involved and now your whole family is threatened because he feels like you've done him in. So rather try to avoid these circumstances. And I mean, I know you guys know of a lot of instances where people got into an altercation and started out as a, as a verbal thing. And the next thing there's a gun that was drawn and somebody was shot or there was a knife that was pulled and somebody was stabbed. And now do you really want to die for something like as, as insignificant as your ego being damaged? I don't know, man. I, I'd rather come home to my wife and I, I love, I love life. I mean, I would like to live as long as possible. I don't want to get into a stupid situation with regards to that. 
Amen. So that's sure. there, there was a previous uh, show that we did uh, awareness, alertness, and avoidance that that covers that specifically. Where, dude, if you can avoid it, avoid it. If you can't avoid it, but you can get away from it, get away from it. Uh, it's going hands on or to a gun or to a knife or to to any other in- implement that you have should be your last resort when you absolutely yeah, have to because always. even if you win and the other dude isn't in the gang you're probably going to face some legal rep, uh, some legal repercussions at times exactly. that can be pretty un- un- unpleasant sure sure definitely and like i say with regards to what gaz asked with the bjj thing yes if i hit the ground i want to stand up immediately but if i do hit the ground i want to get control and there i can to a certain degree because of the way that i move my body i can actually pin somebody down that is bigger than me obviously it's not indefinite we are talking about a moment in time where i can move my body in a specific way to nullify something that you are doing and i can maybe hit you once or twice which will take the winds out wind out of your sails so you'll start focusing on other things there is there's a bunch of things that i can do that's why if you look at um any UFC fight, we have what we call a mounted position where you actually straddle the person like in a, in a schoolyard brawl where you're sitting on his hips and you're punching down, which I call a ground and pound effect where you're hitting the guy or hold smash him in the face. And the cool thing, people look at that and they go, well, why does he just get him off? Why does he just turn and get him off? If you've never been in that position with a skilled and I repeat this, a skilled person sitting on top of you, you will not understand how you cannot escape. If I climb on top of somebody and I know what I'm doing, you will be there for as long as I need to be there and I will hit you. And the thing that people don't understand is I have gravity working with me. My reach, even if your reach is longer than mine, I will still manage to punch you in the face or the throat and you won't be able to reach my face punching from the bottom upwards. I don't care how long you reaches. And even if you do touch me or punch me with that, you don't have the power behind you because you can't utilize your hips or your shoulders for that shot. So it's an ineffective strike. It's you wasting energy. And if you know anything about BJJ, if there's a straight arm, things get arm barred. So I take your arm, I put it into a specific position where I can actually break your elbow. That then changes the game up again because every time I hit you, you start freaking out because if you realize that you can't do anything back, that defeatism mentality that you get really quickly overcrowds you and you start freaking out. Your heart rate starts elevating. And if you know anything about heart rates, there's a specific range that you need to stay in. And if your heart rate goes over that, there's specifics that goes out of the window. So you have your fine motor skills go, you have something that we call tunnel vision. You have audio exclusion. You have people that freeze literally freeze and they are unable to do anything and in worst case scenarios people actually wet themselves or they shit themselves so yeah you have that and if somebody sits on top of you and they're really hitting you it's a very scary place man if you don't know how to get out of that effectively most people turn around and they actually turn onto their stomach which is one of the worst things that you can do and if we talk about an evolutionary point of view and people don't always think about this there were studies done in world war one and world war two most of the guys were actually shot in the back that they found and the reason for that is as soon as you face somebody there's a humanitarian factor that's involved people can see it in your eyes and as soon as people see your eyes they feel sympathy and empathy because they can relate to that but if you turn around 
I don't see that anymore. I'm more inclined to shoot you. So if you think about an execution position, very few executioners do it from the front. They'd rather shoot you from the back. And that's because of that humanitarian factor. So if you turn your back to me, it's much easier to keep punching you and keep striking you and keep hurting you simply because of the fact that you don't look like a human to me anymore. And I can smash you. And also, if you know anything about a knockout, the best knockout to hit somebody with is a strike to the back of the neck where the base of the skull and the spine connects. That is one of the biggest points simply because all your nerves run into that area and it runs into your brain. If I hit you there hard enough, it means that you could then potentially get an override in the system. Your nervous system shuts down because it needs to figure out where all the senses are coming from, where all this pain is. And basically like an old Windows computer, it gets a blue screen, it reboots, and then you start from scratch again. And that might take you a few seconds to a bunch of seconds, a couple of minutes. And if I hit you hard enough, I can even do permanent damage to you as well. And also one thing that you have to filter in, if your head is up against the floor and I'm hitting you from the top down, if your head is slightly elevated on a tar road or on a brick floor or on a tile floor, if I hit you, your head is going to bounce back off the, the hard surface and I'm doing compound damage. So now not only do I get the damage from the front, but I'm also getting some residual damage that's coming from the back, which is pushing into the back of your, your skull. Concussions are bad news. That's it. That's how you get concussions. Yes. Or, or did it? Or did it? They did. I think uh, it, it's also a good time now to kind of discuss contextually why this is important and why the gun's not always the answer. Um, and 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 Jacques hit one of the big ones. If if you piss someone off in a bar. And, and it turns into a little bit of fisticuffs, you can't really pull your gun out. Uh, sure. Especially if it was a fuck you, no fuck you. Um, you know, now, now we're in a situation where it's, it's kind of mutual combat. And, and if you pull out your pistol, you're going to have a hard time or your knife or, or whatever. Um, I think it's also important to think of, as, as we said earlier, you, you could find yourself in places where you won't have a gun. And there's a lot of situations we can we can kind of hit on where a gun wouldn't be appropriate. You know, you, you're at your wife's family for a braai and her uncle gets drunk and gets a little bit grabby or her cousin decides that he's going to murder you, um, you know, or, you know, someone someone who's there who's, who's maybe a little bit slow but is big and strong decides that they're going to not try and hurt you. Uh, you besides the legal repercussions, your, your, your wife or, or husband may get quite upset if you slot their brother, sister, uncle, cousin. Um, and you're going to have the hard time of explaining why you found it necessary to shoot someone at a bar uh, or at a bri. Whereas having some sort of ability to defend yourself, and, and that, that's outside of the you're, you're on the street and someone tries to 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 mug you. That's that's shit that happens, you know. Um, we've all heard stories about family weddings, funerals, whatever that have just gotten a little bit stupid. Uh, sure. So that's that's something we want you guys to think about as well. It's it's not just about fighting your way to the gun. That that might be part of it. Um, 
but but a, a mistake a lot of gun guys make, and, and you may not have seen this until you've done something where it's it's mutual, there's mutual resistance, is that gun guys often get themselves hurt badly because they desperately want to go for the gun. So dude's smashing you in the face, and instead of smashing him back in the face or protecting your face or doing something like that, you go, I've got a gun, I need to get on the gun. And by the time you get to it, he's hit you in the back of the skull and, and switched you off. So we, we need to think of, of this sort of holistically. It's, it, it's, it's important to have a, a, a whole skill set, um, a whole defensive skill set, and not just I have this, this one particular tool, be it a gun, be it a knife, be it whatever. Um, it, it's important that we understand, we understand it. So I, just, I, I, I think it's always important that we, we clarify sort of some of the context because I think people don't always think of a lot of the realistic possibilities. Yeah, there's, so there's, to, yeah, sorry, carry on. Sorry, T-Bag. There's one more there that uh, I think many people can relate to, even if you've never been in a fist fight at a family wedding. Um, I mean, <laughs> you are from Heidelberg, so... Yeah. You yeah, Jacques, Jacques was saying life. earlier, if you live closer to town, you could get into boxing. I was like, that's Friday night at the local club. What's International travel. Uh, lots of people spend lots of time traveling internationally. And sometimes even if you go to the best cities in the world, they all have a dodgy side. And at some point you might find yourself walking through it and they can't take your martial arts skill from you when you get on the plane. They can't say, sorry, sir, check luggage. Yeah, It, it goes with you. Well, true story, just as a matter of interest with regards to that. So many, many years ago, circa 2001, 2002, one of the guys that started training at my studio, Chris, um, there was a, there's a, where I stay, there's a, a park in this area, like a, like a, a recreational area. People go and they bry on the weekends, like a picnic area and stuff. And they've got some facilities where people can host parties and they usually do for like weddings or big birthdays and stuff. And it was his brother, Chris's birthday's, uh, his brother's birthday. And it was his 21st. And uh, they were having a party and then this other group of friends joined them, but there was two groups of friends and this group of friends didn't agree with the other group. And then things got a little bit antsy and there was a, a breakout of a fight and there was sticks and stones and people hitting each other and Chris didn't like this. So he started just walking up past random people, grabbing them from the back with a rear naked choke, choking them out and pulling them back and lying them down on the grass. So when he had seven people <laughs> literally lying down next to each other snoring somebody turned around and looked and like where the hell did all the people go and there's all the people lying on the ground busy freaking in different stages of recovery going what the hell are we doing on the ground and they sort of looked at Chris and they're going what the hell did you do and he's like I didn't like you guys fighting so I just thought I would stop it and he choked out seven people before they even realized that he was doing that and that's just with a basic jiu-jitsu hold I mean it's just grab the guy choke him falls asleep and there you go so yeah and that was he didn't have to throw one punch he didn't have to use a hard skill he just used something that was at his disposal immediately and he managed to de-escalate the situation immediately after that when they looked around everybody sort of stopped and they were like okay cool let's just call it quits and the whole thing sort of faded away so there is value to having a martial arts skill. And like you say, you keep that with you regardless of where you go. And 
the, the big thing is, when, like you say, when you travel, you don't know if you, unless you've done the homework, you don't always know where the dodgy areas are in certain places. You know, if you if you travel to South Africa, you don't know that you should stay out of Hillbrow. People read that Soweto is a good tour or you can go to Hillbrow or whatever, and that's what they want to go and see. They get their Uber drive and they go, okay, well, will you take me there? And he's like, I don't have a tank, but um, yeah, uh, maybe no. And they're like, no, 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 but for extra. And people get themselves into trouble. People just don't know. And I see that happen frequently with certain, we, we, we actually training um, certain big companies in regards to that with the international travel, simply because of the fact that their members think that everywhere in the world, it is safe because they won't send them to a bad place. But if you're in the middle of Lahore, you're not going to walk around with your cell phone out trying to find Google Maps where to go next. Somebody's going to take that phone quicker than you can say, Siri, help me, please. So, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, th- well, I think, you know, that I, I travel quite a bit internationally for work or I did before the plague. Um, and as a general rule, I, you know, if, even if I'm traveling f- with guns for a match, I can't carry the gun with me. Uh, and as a general rule, I don't, I don't carry a knife with me in foreign countries either because it may or may not be legal, but there's yes. the, there's the possibility of trying to explain to a policeman often in a language that, you know, in, in his fourth language and my, in my fifth language, uh, why I'm carrying this thing around with me. Um, it just, it can, it can attract unnecessary attention. And, I've been on trains in Germany where I've seen Oaksmoor each other. I've been on trains in Germany where I thought I was going to have to get into a two on eight fight um, yeah. because there's a bunch of youngsters looking for shit. So it was in Nuremberg. It was in a nice area. Bad things happen in good places as well. You know, they happen more in yeah. SA, but it, it's not just a thing. Um, something that you alluded to a little bit earlier, Jacques, and I'd like to try and unpack it a little bit more is how how do you recommend someone finds a good school um you know it's it it can be very challenging you you might it's very easy to find a mcdojo it's very easy to go you know i've 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 heard about this steven seagal does a keto therefore this must be really really good um you know we and and you know, we, we can, we can always, you know, if, if we, if we know the right people, we can ask for good suggestions, but sure. sometimes we're also going to get bad suggestions because our friends might've also fallen for the McDojo. So are there things people can look for in a school? If they, if they go check out a studio and go, Oh, I'd like to try this. Um, are there things that, that you can recommend they look to avoid things that are, are generally a good sign? Yeah, definitely. So with regards to that here, Google is your friend because you can always just Google and check out the school as far as that is concerned and see if there's any reviews on the school. Um, Check out their Facebook page. Um, See if there's anything on the Facebook page where you go, um, well, this guy doesn't recommend it or some people have some issues with regards to things. But generally when you walk into a school, 
and you see people not sparring and it's a boxing school or a, a reality-based type school or if you go into a BJJ school and the guys aren't necessarily wrestling. And I, there I must put in a little caveat because in certain Gracie Jiu-Jitsu schools, you're not allowed to wrestle. When I say wrestle, free rolling where we hand slap, fisty bump and we try to murder each other in pajamas. You are not allowed to do that for the first belt like white belt you're not allowed to do that simply because of the fact you don't know enough and you could actually potentially hurt somebody where you escalate your level of intensity versus their level of intensity and people get injured all the time so you might have to look at that so maybe look at blue belts or purple belts or brown belts rolling but you'll see that they roll and they're actually trying to apply stuff um, if the instructor never ever spars he never actually is willing to step onto the floor and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with any of his clients, that might also be a big warning sign because if I'm confident in what I do, I should be able to at least do something back to you. If, if you, you know if you're in my studio and you've trained with me, I spar with you, I'll roll with you, I don't care. If you're bigger and stronger than what I am, it's just a bit of a bigger challenge for me, but ultimately at the end of the day, I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is when it comes to regards to that. Um, if there's too many trophies and that's all that they always talk about is tournaments, tournaments and tournaments. That's generally also a very, very bad thing simply because of the fact that they, they always try to rope people in. And I know a lot of traditional martial arts school or kickboxing studios or, you know, boxing studios like that, they always try to get you into a fight night. They always try and enroll you. Um, so yeah, that's generally a bad, a bad sign for me. Um, and if the coach is always, asking for money uh, he presents a course and it's like but for this belt you need to get a stripe so to give you an idea if you get charged for stripes on your belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu leave the school immediately um, because you're not supposed to pay for that and technically in our school you don't pay for your evaluations i give you the belt that's my gift to you you've earned it you pay me a monthly fee yes and i do charge quite an exclusive fee, but I've been doing this for 27 years. So I, I sort of have that, that experience behind my name, but if you pay for evaluations, when it comes to striping on your belt, I can understand if the coach asks you for a fee for your belt, like just, okay, it's going to cost you 200 Rand for a new belt. I can sort of get that. But once again, I would look at how much they charge sometimes to get a black belt. It will cost you 500 Rand or a thousand Rand or X, X amount. Also another telltale sign if there's closed door training. So you're not allowed to watch the next class or the higher level of people training. Then also avoid it like the plague because you'll probably find out that the class that you did as a white belt will be very similar to the class that you do as a blue belt. It's just they bullshitting you with the mysticism of the martial art. You're not ready for it. You are not prepared for it. Um, when instructors call things like, I can't teach this to you now because you're a white belt, you need to be a black belt in order for you to do that. If you know anything about anything, there's no advanced techniques. There's no advanced. There's more. There's a technique with a higher success rate. And once again, people will disagree with me. Everybody always does. But advanced technique is a, is a basic technique done skillfully.
That's what an advanced technique is. It's a basic technique. If I have to teach you the, the skadoosh where you have to grab the tip of the pinky and turn it in a specific way, that is bullshit. Simply because of the fact that if you know anything about a fight, when your adrenaline starts going through the roof, you are only able to access X amount of things in your body as far as skill sets is concerned. So you're not going to do a joint manipulation or pressure point fighting. That is a fallacy because some people actually don't have pressure points. And if they tell you, I'm going to teach you the death touch, and if you touch the guy here and hit him there and you stomp on his foot and you lick his face, he's going to fall over and die. Yes, maybe due to corona, but not to anything else other than uh, the supposed death touch that you do. So, yeah, I, like I say, there is no advanced techniques in my books. It's just basics, 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 just done over and if things are too extravagant like if you look at it and you go yo i don't know if that's going to work in a real life situation then you might probably have to look at looking at another studio so that you know what i like you know what i like about that you know i have no martial arts background sure but i do gun stuff and in gun stuff you can pay for the the flamboyant techniques but sure. the dude who does the basic technique really well is going to kill you. <laughs> yep. Yes, this is the thing. Because guns kill. Um, so, so, sorry to interject there for a second, Cormain. Um, Everybody knows boxing, yeah? yeah? Well, most people know boxing. How many punches are there in boxing? Anybody? See, this is your time to shine. <laughs> no, yeah. I can't give you guys a chance. Okay, so you've yes. got a jab. Yes. Jab, cross. Hook, cross. You've got hooks. You got uppercuts, you got a shovel hook, and you got an overhand. And then you got variations of the jab where you can do a flick jab, or you can do a power jab, or you can do a safety jab, or you can do a jab to the body, or whatever. But ultimately, if you look at it, there's a handful of techniques. And how long has boxing been around? And how much of the boxing art changed in the last 40, 50, 60 years? Mm. Nothing. The, the last time there was a significant change in boxing is where they went from where they used to spar with their palms up and they used to do it in the, the schools of London. You had to have a stiff upper lip to box. Those days have come and gone. People hit each other in the head. Like I say, even if you look at traditional martial arts, if a traditional martial arts steps, a martial artist steps into a fight and he throws a punch, it's going to represent the jab. It's going to represent the cross or some form of a hook or an overhand or an uppercut or a body shot of some degree. And so now you need what? How many extra jabs do you really need? How many extra crosses do you need? You don't. You just use the, the basics that was given to you. There's six punches. You learn how to do them well, and that's what you do. So why would you go and learn now other flamboyant and flashy stuff that could potentially not work? Because ninja death rolls. Because. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Exactly. It's, a case of, it's a case of applying the fundamentals expertly. That's always going to give you the best results. Exactly. That's Thank my you. point. And doing the basics properly can be challenging enough. Exactly. Oh, yes. No, no one said it was easy. Sure. In, <laughs> in every discipline. Not just yeah. In the basic down can sometimes be challenging. So based on that, Jacques, um, so you, you've got a couple of things that you've said that you would look for in a, 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 a studio before you go and train there or, or in a gym. 
would you also look for um, a well-defined art? So not necessarily. Um, so you you have you have Crazy Monkey and you have Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but would you come and do my special blend of Death Roll that has no 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 history, no 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 large following, no proven results? I'm I'm not necessarily going to do Cal Flung Dung as my chosen martial art. Don't say my. Don't say my martial arts name like that. You make it sound horrible. Uh, make it sound cheap, like it is. <laughs> like, but, but Master Long, Long Duck Dong said it was very good. Yeah, something. Well, we we in Thailand do as Thailand people do, I guess. So yeah, there's, there's that. But no. Um, the thing is, if you in in BJJ generally you have a lineage. So, um, say for example, my lineage starts off with Carlos Machado, and so it goes down to my my grandmaster, and he's fortunately not a guy that's been dead for the last how many years, and we still pray to his spirit that sits underneath a icy cold waterfall in a Tibetan mountain, and he's the source of all our knowledge. Martial arts have actually evolved with time just as the car or as the bike or as technology has gone fighting arts have gotten better we've gotten better and more fluent at it so in bjj like i say i've got my 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 head guy which is higgin machado he's an eighth degree coral belt and straight underneath him i've got my coach who's rodney king he's a fourth degree black belt and then it's me and I'm a first degree black belt. And if one of my guys get to a black belt, hopefully by that stage, I might be a third or a fourth degree black belt myself. Rodney might be a fifth or a sixth degree. And um, Master Higgin Machado might be a, a grandmaster at that stage with a red and a white belt. So you can always check the lineage and you can always ask the instructor and you can actually go and check online if he is actually in that lineage. You, can, you actually can go and check it when it comes to BJJ. But unfortunately, when it comes to martial arts, and this is a true story, and I've had this happen before, and this grinds my bones to no avail. I had a guy in my studio, and I, I, I kid you not, he trained with me for, let's call it two years, and I'm being generous with that two years. And we had a, we had a fallout because of things that happened and me and his dad didn't agree. And this is a young lad and he actually went off and he opened up his own school. And now he's teaching people with his two years of experience. Now it makes him a person that is actually reputable in the martial arts world. Really? It's like somebody coming to T's course. He does his level one and maybe a level two, a little bit of an advanced thingy or a more of a modified thing here. And he goes, okay, well, I can do this. I'm going to go and teach gunfighting. I'm going to teach people how to shoot. Really? Really? And people don't know that. So nobody knows the history because nobody ever puts it on. People always advertise the good stuff. You never hear of the bad things. 
And you'll never know that. That's the problem. There's no, there's, unless you go to and you belong to organization, like I say with BJJ, you can check the lineage. But when it comes to other martial arts, there's no way for you to really, really go and check. Unless you, you know a little bit of Google foo and you can go and find out what the guy's bad things is, if there is anything. There's no Hello Peter for martial artists out there where you can go, okay, well, this guy is a piece of shit and doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. That doesn't happen. So that's why I say it's much better to, Check it out. Chat to the people in the studio. You know, try to find out from them what, what do they feel? How do they feel about it? Sit in on a couple of classes. Do an intro class. Most guys offer some form of a, a free lesson or two. We offer two weeks free training. So I want you to fully experience four classes before you make up your mind if you want to join. Because what do you really know after one class? You know, it's, uh, you have 45 minutes with me. I have to teach you in 45 minutes and you have to make up your mind there and there. It's like you going into a, a gun shop and the guy puts three pistols in front of you and he goes, okay, you have five minutes with each pistol, choose one and that's the one that you're going to buy. Really? I would like to take it through its paces. I would like to have a look at it. I would like to see how easy I can disassemble it. Is it the gun that has spares available? Um, does it shoot accurately? Does, does it feel nice in my hands you know you want to take it for a little bit of a test drive the thing is this, with martial arts it's not the same so there just word of mouth check it out speak to a couple of people go on to facebook most of the communities have like a little community group and people will recommend certain people if you go and ask the right questions once again i've seen in our local community people ask for i want to do a self-defense class and then all these other hooligans come up with their their fake class stuff and I'm going, you know what, whatever. I, I can't compete with that because I know what I'm capable of. I know that my people will vouch for me. I know what I'm what what some of my people have said. And if you've attended one of my classes or you've been at one of my courses, you know what I coach and how I coach. I and mean, you can quickly figure out that what I'm showing you and teaching you is something that you can pull off. If you can't pull off what I'm telling you, well, that becomes a problem. If you if I tell you you have to train another five years to be good at that, then you have a, I have serious issues with with regards to that. So yeah, man, just Google food, try to find out as much as you can about the trainer and stuff. Try to stay away from your stereotypical, dare I say, karate type styles, simply because of the fact that that's not always functional. So Cobra Kai tea, unfortunately, is not something that I'm going to recommend because uh, sweeping the leg is not a thing that's really done. It's the crane kick, maybe. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, man. I, I want keys with no sleeves. And crane strange, kicks. strange that you mentioned that because there's people that actually have that in my, in my area. I kid you not. <laughs> and if that is not as common as it can get, then I don't know. I, like I said, I, just, I have my reservations about that. Mm. And chicks have to wear it as well. So, so lovely. Yeah. lovely. Also, when the instructor wears a wife beater, you might want to look at something else. Note to self. Okay, so no, so there there is a very long list of things you should be looking for, and then wife beat yeah. or something you shouldn't be looking for. Yeah, um, yeah, like I say, <laughs> if you find it, avoid. <laughs> well, once again, if you just if you just Google how to find um, 
um, a reputable martial arts school, um, you should come up with that same list that I've provided you with. Because everybody does, everybody does, they do go and chat about it. There is some stuff and you have have those things out at your disposal if you if you go onto Google. One of the nice things about jits and, and boxing as well is it there are ways to see how well the stuff you've been taught works. Um, you know, with the sparring and the rolling. You you get an opportunity to to kind of get a maybe not a full speed live run at it. But, sure. but even as, as someone new, you get to kind of see, well, can I grab his pinky and twist it? No, all I'm trying to do is stop him smashing me in the face. Or, ooh, can I smash him in the face when he's trying to smash me in the face? Um, it's one of the nice things about it. Exactly. I mean, I just did a little bit of a Google foo right here, and I just typed in how to find a the reputable martial arts school. And the first thing that came up is which martial art is the best for a street fight? Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, right at the top of the list. Strange <laughs> how that works. Mm. Anyways, like I say, so yeah, it's it, it it is it is difficult, and now you get reality-based self-defense. So there is a couple of things, like I say, boxing wrestling because there's a lot of parents listening to this and they're going well my kid gets bullied at school what can i teach my what can i take my kid to to go and learn something and there i would go with things like wrestling brazilian jiu-jitsu if that is available and this is not like 20 years ago where brazilian jiu-jitsu was something that was brand new and on the market and nobody knew about it there should be a brazilian jiu-jitsu school relatively close to you and if that is not the case wrestling if you can't do wrestling boxing if you can't do boxing judo that's how i would go for it if nothing of that is available then i would go and take my kid to a karate class or something like that but i would much rather than try to get some form of a dvd or some form of a coaching thing where i can also play with my child in a in a nice manner and teach him certain things so a lot of people have the thing with krav maga that they want to go and do krav and that is a reality-based thing because it does come from israel and as soon as you mention krav people go yeah yeah that's 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 legit and i agree 100 with that krav maga is a very very good reality-based self-defense the problem once again is finding a good instructor or coach or somebody that can take you through all these things and yeah the problem that i have with this once again so i, I'm, I feel very opinionated on the show all of a sudden it's, i'm just telling bad things and i'm trying to promote myself no that's, that's not what that's the show's about yeah of course of course um when it comes to krav here's my big problem with this so yes they teach you functional training so a guy pulls out a gun he pulls out a knife how to go hands-on with regards to that there is however a problem with this especially if you start looking at like a child thing so my little johnny is at school and there's another kid that comes and looks for trouble and i've only taught my kid the craft stuff that's already been taught if you've ever looked at a krav maga uh, video on youtube you'll see that there's a commonality that goes through there where they will grab you and they'll start beating you senseless if they take the knife away they'll start stabbing you with a knife a hundred times now if you know anything about the law at some point there's a thing called excessive force and you can't exceed excessive force. You have to meet it. 
And if you escalate above that, you then become the attacker and the other person then becomes the victim. Doesn't care who started it or whatever it is. If I stab you more times than you stab me, it's going to be very hard to explain it away at a certain point, especially if I start killing you and I only have one stab when you have 20 and I actually just started hitting you because I'm very angry and upset with you. Same thing, somebody breaks into your house you get them to run away and now you shoot them in the back when they're climbing over the wall. You're going to have a very hard time to explain to the police why that happened. And the same thing is true with Cruv. Now I teach my little Johnny, there's a little bit of a scuffle. He decides to go hands on and he starts beating this child's senses. I'm all for that. If your kid looks for trouble with my kid, I will teach my kid how to knock your kid the fuck out. But here's the problem. Now that kid falls over backwards and he bumps his head. And now there's repercussions because of that. Now he falls on the back of a brick and there's really, really damaged. Maybe he cracks his skull and guess who's going to pay the medical bills and all the lawyer bills? you because you're little johnny's father and you said that it's okay for him to do that with something like a brazilian jiu-jitsu thing we teach our children to de-escalate if the kid looks for trouble you try to grab onto him the same thing i said wrestle him to the ground and once you get to a position you pin him down and then you wait for your teacher or for another friend or somebody else to help you and obviously if there's more of his friends than your friends then there's other things that we do teach you and that takes unfortunately it does take a little bit more time but i do know that my child is not going to be the instigator simply because of the fact that he now knows that he knows something dangerous and he decides to go hands on i mean what do you know if you're six or seven or eight years old about restraint anyways this kid ticked you off he grabbed you by your hair or your ponytail and now you decide okay well that's the last straw i'm not saying stand for bullying that's the first thing that i will disagree with if your kid is looking for trouble with my kid and your kid puts his hands on my kid and he hits my kid it's not bullying it's assault you hit my kid bullying is Sticks and stones may break my bones. So if you call me names, unfortunately in this world, you have to learn how to get a tough skin. You can't just hit everybody that calls your name. We're going to have very, very serious issues with that. And that's one of the first things that we teach our children is you can't go hands on. You have to try to de-escalate. If that doesn't work and the guy does take a swing at you, you have my full permission to go hands on and do whatever is necessary. So if I can't get you to the ground and I can't pin you, well, then I'm going to knock your teeth out. Then I'm going to do it. But that's only third and fourth in the queue. That's not the first thing that I do. And that's where I have a problem with that because if that's the first thing that you teach your child, you can imagine 10 years, 15 years from now when he's 20, 21, and now there's something that kicks off and the first thing that he hits is he hits somebody. And it just happens to be the wrong person that he hits. Now you get back to the, I don't know what the other person is willing to do. And now you have serious issues because your little ego got cracked. So, yeah. I think the, the, the most important bit in that whole thing, not to downplay all of it, but the most important bit was do what is necessary. <laughs> necessary. Yeah. You go beyond that, you're, you're, you're looking for trouble. Um, of course. Legally and, and, and otherwise. Sure. Sure. So I've, I've got a set rule in my studio that if you if you become a bully, I kick you out of my studio. You you don't get to come back, for sure. 
And I mean, like now this this coming Sunday, we actually got a a Zoom thing going where we're actually trying to help parents with regards to cyberbullying and um, abductions because that's something that's of late. I mean, everybody saw, most people that have social media saw where that guy climbed over the fence and grabbed the little girl from the table and the guy wrestled him to the ground with Brazilian jiu-jitsu and he applied a rear naked choke. And that was the end of that. So a lot of parents are scared because people are getting more brazen with regards to that, to try to abduct kids. And we're trying to do something good in our community by giving people the necessary information. And then hopefully, you know, people can be a little bit more educated in that and the parents can take the necessary steps, especially when it comes to child grooming and all the rest of that type of things where, where people get lured into situations and they don't know how to, to stop that or the parents aren't hands on enough with regards to that. So it's not just about teaching and crazy monkey. It's not just teaching all the martial arts stuff. There's a lot of other stuff as well. We do some knife stuff where we teach you knife defense and we teach you karamba training, but we also try to teach you some gun stuff with regards to gun control, how to take the firearm away from the person and obviously not clearing your magazine out in him and shooting him 15 times but yeah just take the gun away and and do what's necessary i i have a question and this will this will seal the deal of whether i'm going to come and train with you again or not okay can you rip the slide of a b92 (laughs) i'll rip the slide off of you Oh no, we know that. <laughs> but that's all that I'm I need not, to do. I'm I'm not a pasta gut. <laughs> well if, just if, remember that you never will be. There we go. If I hit you hard enough in the throat, does it make a difference if I can pull the slide off while you have it, or can I do it when you are passed out? Because I need to know these things now. This I, is, I don't know. I've just seen it in movies because that, that's okay. always been the super, super death ninja skill was not taking the gun from the dude, but just taking the slide from the gun. You know, I'm, I might not be, I might be as old as Jackie Chan, but I'm not Jackie Chan. And <laughs> movies is not reality, as you know. And you, and you did attend a knife course with me over the weekend. And you tell me and you tell the listeners what you experienced there. Um, a few things. The first one, some of the sexiest bites I've ever had. There we go. I mean, granted, I was, I was pinned down and unable to move at the time. I will admit to the fact that I bit you. I mean, it was, it was awesome. Um, I actually nibbled. It wasn't like really a bite. It was more like a, a sexy a bite. Sexual... Sexy yeah, bites, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't angry bites. It was sexy bites. Um, yeah, there, we go. <laughs> there was some uncontrollable giggling from my side during during of this course process. Was. <laughs> because that that that's your that's your Achilles heel, so to speak. Exactly. I, I, I bet I you're on nipple, if I remember correctly. And a couple other places. There we go. <laughs> it's quite quite juicy. We're not gonna mention yeah, the other very quickly. places. You're a bit uh, of a slut corner. Uh, that's how you know me, T-Bag. That is how you know me. <laughs> oh, the, the knife course was amazing. Um, said I have no martial arts background. Um, I've done, I think, two knife courses in the past. Not that I can remember any of it. Um, but what I do remember from those is they did not teach sort of the the fundamental skills of the knife. Um, it was it was basically like ice picking the dude the moment that you had a chance. 
True. Um, there were some uh, knife disarms that they were teaching that uh, I'm not sure that I could execute them. I'm not saying they can't be executed. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure there are guys who could do it. Uh, I just don't think that I could. Uh, I think I'm going to get stabbed to pieces in that, in that instance. Um, sure. Your class had, had, had more fundamental skills. And it was clear that this is not the, the be or end all. There are classes above this that teach you some additional skills. Uh, and that you should be coming back for refreshers. Preferably as often as you can. Um, just, just to build that skill up. Um, sure. The fact that you taught us those, those, those cut angles. Um, I'm not the brightest dude in the world and I don't tend to remember things. I remember those because you made us do them enough times in the class that they've stuck. That's the fundamental. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I can, maybe in two weeks time, I won't be able to do them perfectly in that. I mean, not that the sequence mattered. It was just a, a training yeah. aid. Um, but the way that you taught it, it has stuck, um, yeah. which is great. And then of course there was the, uh, the fact that I was your, uh, your crash test dummy for the day. Uh, I, I spent... Crash test bitch is the correct term. Bitch, there we go. I spent a lot of time going to the ground. It's my pleasure, Corn. I got choked out. Well, out. I got choked, I think, three times. That's um, what you remember. Yeah, I think three times. <laughs> and interesting on that. So the, the very first one you did, I think you were trying to cut off air. Yeah. And that's the one where I said I wouldn't tap to that. Sure. Yeah. Ever. Like you could hold, I, I'm sure I'd pass out eventually, but I would never tap to that. It's uncomfortable, sure. but it's not going to make me like, I won't give up from that. But when you started doing the blood chokes, um, on the first one, when you did it slowly, uh, once you let off after I tapped, I don't know how long I held on for, but after I tapped, as I tried to sit up, I was actually disorientated. Sure. Um, did you make and then you, duck noise? Yeah, I don't know if I did that. And then when he said, okay, let's do it full speed now. It was like, <laughs> I'm here. I'm not here. <laughs> it's a light switch, dude. Yeah, no, it was like, okay. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so so for our listeners to give a little bit of backstory, to, to convince, well, it, it, one of the things I tried to do to convince Kunai to do the course was I promised him his money back if he didn't enjoy it. I then quickly messaged Jacques and said, I've promised him his money back. So either make it awesome or at least make it worth my money. Uh, <laughs> I made it, I did both. I'll just have and I got to keep my money. <laughs> he did do both. <laughs> I think it's important that, that we mention now though, and, and I think it's one of those concerns that a lot of people have got about starting any sort of martial art or anything like this is that they're going to go to a, a, a gym and it's going to be filled with sort of knuckle dragging troglodytes and everywhere, you know, it, it's, I, I think, especially if you grew up watching eighties and nineties martial art movies, you, you, a lot of people think that they're going to have the shit kicked out of them for six months until magically they start learning, learning some stuff. Uh, and I think it's important that, that we just kind of cover that as, as much as we're joking about um, corn getting thrown around. It, a, a good school is not going to is is not going to be a bullying experience. Um, yeah. 
You know, if, if you're going to do, if you're going to, if you're going to do sort of non-consensual, if you'll pardon, not in the rehypnol way, um, you know, sort of stuff. Uh, I've broken Gaz's nose. Gaz has broken my toe. Um, not deliberately. And there was absolutely no, there was, there was no, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? But that's not how I remember the story. That's not how Gaz tells it. <laughs> no, you know, there was, in, in, in both cases, it was accidental. And, and it's because we're both pretty big, pretty strong and pretty stupid. Um, but you're not going to go to a decent school and not be able to go to work on Monday because you've got two blue eyes or you're not going to leave there having been totally fucked up, especially as a newbie. And I think that's just something that we need to, you're not going to the school, you're not going to the studio to get hurt. You're going to learn how to not get hurt. And there may be times where you might be uncomfortable, um, but but it's not going to be what you what I think a lot of people fear. I think that's the that's the big thing that we need to get people to understand. There's nothing to be scared of. You don't need to be a rough, tough, type A personality to do this stuff. Sure. Definitely. I've got, I mean, I've got ladies here that weigh like 50 kilos and less and they do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and they're a handful. They really, really a handful. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So yeah, it, 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 it gets difficult. And especially if you, if you teach them the right stuff, it is very, very easy for them to, if they get into a certain position to hold that position and you can't get out, obviously adding the striking and stuff to it makes it a little bit more challenging, but ultimately at the end of the day, um, they can pull these things off. They do, they do manage to get these things right. And they did it right against people that are bigger than them, stronger than them. And they are in a position where they can defend themselves. If you think about it, if you're a lady and you get raped, where are you going to be nine out of 10 times? You're going to be on the ground. That's where BJJ comes into its own for ladies as a form of self-defense. So as a, for a lady, that is the first thing that I would always recommend somebody goes and does. Go and join a Brazilian jiu-jitsu school. If you're down in Cape Town, somebody like James Smart, very, very cool guy, you can go and train with him. I'm sure he was on the show. And if he's not been, he'll be on the show at some point. Yeah, he's on the list. You had to go first because you're my coach. Oh, there we go. Preference. (laughs) I like it. I like it. So, yeah, so up here in Johannesburg, there's a bunch of crazy monkey studios. There's one in Edenvale. There's one in Randburg. There's one in Centurion. Um, there's one out to Lanasia side. So there's a couple of schools in the Gauteng area. So yeah, man, there, we, there, there's a bunch of other BJJ schools as well. The problem is just, you know, you might want to go in and say to the guy, listen, yeah, I don't want to do the competition thing. I'm just purely doing this for a self-preservation thing. And you make that abundantly clear from the day that you walk in there. And then hopefully if they are a good school, they will be able to assist you with that type of training and make sure that you get the, the stuff that you're looking for and not something that you're not looking for. Thanks. So I want to say something based on what T said with me getting thrown around. Um, one, it was consensual, not non-consensual. 
Um, not that I think that if I was non-consensual, I would have been able to fight him off. <laughs> but I was going light on you, brother. I was. Oh, going no, no, you. you I, I, I am sure you were going super light on me. So, on, <laughs> on the nibbles. No, the nibbles were awesome, dude. That's that's what makes me want to go back. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm married, bro. I'm married. <laughs> But I'll spoon oh, with you. Stressed. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't worried. <laughs> right though, Corn's only married in the O double one dialing code. And I one too. I'm single. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Lauren doesn't listen to this show because I will fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> just, um, just remember, I'm always the big spoon. Hey, always the big spoon. That I'm makes sense. <laughs> uh, the other thing is, I was a little bit blue on Sunday and Monday, a couple of blue marks and things, but nothing was injured. I wasn't sore. I wasn't, I didn't struggle to move. Nothing is like fucked up. Um, highly controlled. Um, I, it it's it's weird to say that i enjoyed it but i did enjoy it. it it it's a learning experience getting thrown around like that and realizing that uh in the right hands you don't really have a say in that unless sure. you're trained exactly uh, terry smiling you know, way too much too much for comfort <laughs> it, I know no you know what it is it's because i never understood how anyone could get enjoy getting punched in the face <sighs> Until I started getting punched in the face on the rig. Uh, well, I mean, that's exactly what I was just going to say. You know, when you first started saying to me, come do crazy monkey boxing, come do crazy monkey boxing. I'm like, I don't really want to get hit in the face. You know, I'm not bright as it is. I don't want to lose what I have. <laughs> and uh, when we're I, supermodel, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the pretty face. Of course. <laughs> um, and when I came through, you've got this whole system where you are working with some sort of resistance to, to what you're learning, but at the same time, you applying strictly the protect your partner sort of attitude. And that makes a big difference in how you can learn. And like Tarek said, we made mistakes and we did hurt each other, but it was, it was not malicious. It was a mistake on our part that got us injured. Sure. And the mistake on your part was breaking Tarek's toe and then Tarek retaliated and broke your nose. Shit. That's how I remember the story. Literally yeah, yeah remember. Uh, something like that. It's, it's, <laughs> it's all semantics ultimately at the end of the day. But I think that what you said there, Gaz, with regards to, you know, there is a system to it. We are progressive. And a lot of people go, yeah, but you, you guys are a bunch of pansies because you don't go full tilt. There is long lasting effects of this if you go and look at it getting concussions on a regular basis is not a good idea i don't care who you are if you've been punched in the face enough times there's going to be something that's going to happen to you in the long run trust me i know i'm suffering from injuries that i had sustained 20 years ago because we didn't know what we know now and we were just like a bunch of savages going at each other because that's the way that we thought it was supposed to be done. The tougher you are, the better you are, the faster you are, the harder you hit, the more the guy will respect you. And ultimately at the end of the day, it does ring true in a certain degree because I come from that side and also the other thing that people also say is like, but you've never done a traditional martial arts, you don't know what I'm all about. 
I spent many, many years training at traditional martial arts. I've got three, two third degree black belts in Taekwondo. I've done Aikido. I've done Hapkido. I've done Kung Fu, different styles, styles of Kung Fu, from Seven Star to Praying Mantis to you name it. I've done Tai Chi. I've done all these other things. So I have experience in those. And I know one thing that I don't like about them is the fact that they are not functional. The way that I was coached in Taekwondo was we could go hands-on, we could kick as hard as we wanted to, and you could knock a guy out with a kick to the head. Brilliant. My problem is what happens if you're wearing a pair of jeans that restricts your kicking ability or you're wearing a pair of 18-up um, docks and you have to try to kick somebody in the head when you do that or you're on a slippery surface or you're out on a tar road and you try to do that on a ground road with gravel and you lose your footing. I, I prefer keeping the fight standing, like I say, and like you said, tea and gas and stuff. It's strange how you start thinking about it differently. You don't get that fear factor as much anymore because you're not, it's not that you're scared. The only thing that I need to do, and I mean, you sparred against me this morning, mm. T, in the sense that we, and, and against Brian and stuff. My only thing that I need to change, that I need to change my intent on what I want to do with you. If I want to hit you hard, all I have to do is get angry and I have to draw myself up a little bit and get my mindset to change to a way that I'm just seeing, okay, well, I need to do something to you. And then I start hitting harder automatically. And trust me, most people don't like it when that happens because I go at an acceptable level and we slowly over a period of time, we do raise that level and we escalate it, but we never exceed the platform that we go on, especially not without any protection. If I want to go full tilt on you, we're going to wear head guards. We're going to have mouth guards in. We're going to use our boxing gloves. And we also work without gloves on. So at a stage, you're going to learn how to do bare knuckle boxing. If you want to go and see how people actually behave in a real street fight, just go and watch Gypsies fight. Hmm. Just Google on YouTube, Gypsies bare knuckle boxing. And you'll or see something like and Snatch. Yeah. <laughs> something like you saw in Snatch where they just go at each other and these guys hit each other in the head. And that's as real as it gets because that is an actual street fight with rules. And look at how those guys go. Look how many punches they throw. Look how they get involved. That's it. And that's what we teach you to do. We just start you off in the beginning. If you want to learn how to, how to sink a putt at 500 meters, I don't teach you from 500 meters and we walk our way back to one meter. I start you at one meter and we work ourselves up to 500 meters. You know, so I teach you in that way. So there is a progressive system. Yes, a lot of people come in and like you say, if I went full tilt with you the first time that you walked into my studio, do you think you would have stuck it out? If I went and I said to you, okay, let's put on some gloves and I went full tilt at you like I can and I hit you in the head. Yeah, I can hang around. It's, sure. and, and you're not you're not going to learn anything. Um, I think a lot of people's egos. You know, there is a, a one of my favorite philosophers of all all time, Michael Gerard Tyson, told us famously that everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face, punched in the face. Um, or punched in the mouth. Uh, and and I think that's I think a lot of people dramatically overestimate. I know I did. I, I thought I could punch a lot better than I could until I learned how to throw a punch. Um, 
and and I think that's that's the problem. I think a lot of us, especially men, we we overestimate what we can do, uh, and if. If we go somewhere and yeah, if you get the shit kicked out of you, it's not nice. And if you're not someone who who is sort of part of the applied lifestyle, violence lifestyle as it is, you you don't want to get the shit kicked out of you. I mean, no, no one wants to get the shit kicked out of you. But yeah, if we were joking a little bit longer, we, we we may be a little bit more. You know, we were joking about it earlier, but it's it's less of a problem if you catch a punch in the mouth if you've been doing it for a while. It's not fun. No. Um, but if you're new to this and someone starts pounding you in the head. You, 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 I think a lot of people's logic is, well, you know what? I might as well just put up with the criminals doing it rather than paying this fucker to beat me up. <laughs> well, I mean, if you compound that as well, if you if you go in full contact, you're going to spend more time recovering from injuries than what you are going to be learning skill sets. Definitely, definitely. And I mean, in the old days we that's what we did so when you came in the first night i would give you introductory class and but that's me that's just my personality i will teach you the skills and then i'll put you on the spot and i'll make you use those skills a little bit harder than what you would have liked but at that stage we were a full contact mixed martial arts studio we were actually doing it for the cage and for the cage environment in the sense of we want you to go and compete we want you to step into a cage so i need to prepare you for that but I didn't like that lifestyle. I don't like being that angry person where I constantly have to be like a, like a, a, a Marine drill instructor that's constantly in your face and yelling at you to do better and hit harder and train harder. That's not what you're paying me for. You're paying me for my skill in to teach you how to become a person that has abilities to defend themselves. And I would much rather spend 45 minutes teaching you a skill than 45 minutes doing fitness and only spending five to 10 minutes actually teaching you martial arts. And that's unfortunately what a lot of people do. And if you look at traditional martial arts, if you look at how your classes are divided, there'll be a lot of time spent on fitness. So actually teaching the fitness because that's super, super important. And I do agree with it. I do 100%. You need to be in a certain way prepared as far as the physicality is concerned. So if you do get into a street altercation that you know what your body is going to go through. If you've only done sports 20 to 30 years ago when you were still in high school and you now have to go hands-on with somebody that's bigger and stronger and better than you and you have to wrestle them, you'll quickly figure out how badly you need cardio and you need some form of fitness to go. I mean, I've had athletes that do the Ironman come in and I've put them for five minutes on a pair of focus pads and they threw up. They said that that's the worst training that they've ever done. They don't understand why they're not able to last longer than a two or three minute round because they can swim how far they drive. They do the cycling thing and they can run, but it's a different type of fitness. You're doing anaerobic fitness. When somebody is on you and you have to get them off, it requires a certain amount of energy and a certain amount of precision and skill. And if you don't know how to do that, you're actually going to tap into strength and you are pushing against somebody that outweighs you. If you can only bench press 60 kilograms and somebody that's 80 kilograms gets on top of you and you try to bench press them off, which is the wrong thing to do, you are quickly going to get very very tired so you need to you need to watch out for for those things but if they look at the rest of the class they'll spend like 
most of the class teaching you the techniques and you spend time punching the air or you might have somebody hold some form of a target where you punch at it or you kick at it. And then a lot of times are spent at doing katas and uh, like I say, the, the one step, two step, step, three step sparring sequences. And then maybe at the end of the class, you'll do like two rounds of boxing or kickboxing or your sparring that you do for competitions, but it will be for points. So I kick you, I score a point, the first one, two, X amount of points wins that round. So that's what you'll do. But if you come to a, a physical place, like if you go to wrestling, let's not use my studio. If you go to a wrestling school, you will then get fitness done and it's strength training that is functional to the sport. So you're doing stuff that you're going to be utilizing in that class. And you'll see the people actually wrestle up against other people. You have to learn how to get the guy to the ground. Once you hit the ground, that he doesn't get your shoulders pinned to the mat. So there's functional training. They're not going to spend a lot of time doing stuff that's not part of sports like carters or things where you're not applying your skills that you just learned in the class and then at the end everybody wrestles and everybody wrestles everybody it's not just like okay you guys wrestle those guys everybody wrestles everybody in brazilian jiu-jitsu you go into a studio White belts are rolling up with purple belts. Yes, they're getting demolished because obviously the purple belts are significantly better than a white belt. But if it's done in a correct way and you're doing it in a good school, you as the white belt, you won't get injured. You're not going to get somebody doing a submission on you and going full tilt and then injuring you in the process. And then you, like um, Cornet said, that you have to spend time recouping and taking time off the sport because if you miss out on class, you miss out on valuable information that you could have gained in the process. Bring this back to shooting for the, because we've got a lot of dudes who just like shooting, uh, sure. who listen uh, and, and probably like me don't have a martial arts background. The whole thing with the pants being too tight. So your, your Kung Fu being too deadly for the street and you can't perform the moves is like dudes who go and train with their open gun from a race rig. And then when he's done, he sticks a 42 block 42 in his front pocket. And he thinks that those things are going to do the same thing in terms of draw speed, firearms access, uh, the ability to shoot it fast, accurate. Um, that's exactly what Jacques talking about where the stuff that you're being taught may be useful, but you might not actually be able to execute it based on just everyday life, everyday realities. Um, and then the uh, the the progression uh, the the progression through levels and and being taught things progressively so that you build skill and being taught from the fundamentals is like taking a dude and telling him to shoot six rounds as fast as he can on a thirty five meter target as the base of his training versus making him do slow fire in his own time at three meters and teaching him how to do it accurately and correctly before you push out the uh, before you start pushing out both distance. And uh, and speed. I like that, Jock. That is, um, I mean, you've got a hell of a lot of experience in this stuff, but that closely aligns with what we'd like to see in the on the firearm side in terms of training methodology. Not necessarily what we always get, um, because there are some some things out there that are contrary to that. Um, no, no, fair enough. And for me, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit of a gun guy. Um, I'm a little bit of a knife guy and I'm a lot of a hands-on type of guy. So for me, 
if I if I need to, I obviously go to my hand skills first because that's what I rely on the most, and that's the easiest for my way for me to explain it away if I should get into a trouble situation. And I've had things happen before where. I had to go hands-on. I actually had to go to court for it. And when the the, the prosecutor, uh, the, 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 the judge found out what I was doing and he looked at the person that I did it to and he's like, but your wrist is sprained. Why don't you look much worse? He was like, yeah, no, but uh, this and that. The next thing is, and the, the judge actually said to, to the, to the, uh, uh, the, the attacker, he said to him, you can, you can really be lucky that this person didn't do much worse to you than what he currently did. And that's what I firmly believe in. I don't want to, I'm not a bully. I, like I said, I came from a bullying background where people bullied me and I don't want to be that type of person. But except for T, I always want to bully him because he just- I was going to say, I'd, I'd like to disagree. Um, don't, don't disagree too strongly because you have to go back. <laughs> always remember, you have to go back. You know, I'll, 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 I'll bully you for money, T. So if people pay me, I'll bully <laughs> And that's what they do. So I don't know what you've done to those people, but they write their, their requests on a crispy 200 note and they pass it to me and I just do what they say. So, you know, eh, it is what it is. Ah, but, uh, I much see rather, how that works. There we go. There we go. He did it to you. <laughs> he did it to you. <laughs> I even gave Kune the safe words. Yes. Told him they were real. They were not real. <laughs> How many requests do I get? There is no safe word. The safe word is please hit me harder. And then I do. The safe word is harder, daddy. Yes. And that doesn't make it stop. And that doesn't make it stop. And if I can't go hands-on, then I pull my knife. And if I can't pull my knife, then I pull my gun. Or I might not be able to pull my knife and I immediately go to my firearm. So I have three options available to me. Whereas if you only have one of those three, that's all that you have. I know not everybody wants to go out and buy a firearm. I get it because it's, it's hard to get it licensed and all the rest of the stuff, but I am an advocate for it. And I do recommend that if you do get a firearm that you go and do proper training, the same thing that I do, I go, I'll go to T for one of his courses, which I'm doing on the 24th because good man I need to go and train nice. these things we're doing cross-pollination here i'd like to get at a point where maybe myself and t can do a collaboration when it comes to regards to the shooting and the guns and the, the knives and the self-preservation and all the rest of that stuff because i don't really like calling it self-defense because self-defense means that you 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 defending the self self-preservation is i'm preserving the self i'm trying to preserve things i'm looking at it from a different point of view so what we do is self-preservation training and you guys do the same with your gun stuff it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a, in a war you know so having as much multiple skills that you have being able to fight in a stand-up position in a clinch type of environment where the person is holding on to you and you're wrestling in a stand-up position to going to the ground is super super important even in that we also have the ability to still draw our firearms when we are on the ground and we have the ability if we have access to a blade to pull the blade and if i don't have access to that and i have to 
physically beat you with my hands into a pulp, that I have the ability to do that as well. And a lot of people don't always understand that. And they literally see the movies like the John Wick thing. And they see, they think that to a certain degree that you can do that. And yes, you can, but it will never be the way that you see it in the movies. The choreography is not the same. I mean, you saw on Saturday when you were there, very basic, very simple, go in, get it done, get home, get out alive. That's it. That's what you need to do. Fundamentals all the way. Same you know what? Firearm. Yes, sorry, guys. No, no, you finish up. No, no, that's what I wanted to say. So just okay. So you know how to do the fundamentals from the firearm stuff. Yeah, and I mean, when when I look at you, I see a multi-tool. So a lot of gun guys will revert yeah, back to tool. Yes, I heard tool. That's all that I heard. <laughs> multi-tool. He called me a, a multiple tool. <laughs> a good one. So most of the gun guys say, I've got a gun. That's fine. That's all I need. But they're missing two other, maybe even three other key elements. They're missing that awareness and avoidance. They're missing the ability to be hands-on and they're missing the ability to work around or with a knife. And if you don't have all of those skills that you can put into one package, you're essentially missing a big part of the ecosystem that you need for self-preservation. Exactly. No jokes. I regularly, again, I don't have martial arts background, but I regularly talk to dudes who are like, what happens if I punch you in the face right now? Well, I'll just draw my gun. No, China Bean, I don't have martial arts background and I'm still going to stop you from drawing your gun at this distance. You're not mm -hmm. getting your gun into play because I've seen it. I know what you're trying to do. And even if all that I'm able to do is stop that hand from working, I'm going to stop that hand from working. Sure. Um, lots of guys have a, a false sense of security in the gun. Um, guns are great sort of medium distance tools. At extremely close distances, you need specialized training in, in order to, to get them into the fight and to keep them in the fight. Um, because if you want to see a gun malfunction, try shooting it in, in close proximity to pretty much anything. It's a, it's a one round pony, if that. So I have a question for you guys. So how long have you guys been doing the gun stuff? Now, when I say how long you've been doing the gun stuff, like learning how to shoot, doing the fundamentals and all that type of stuff. Cornet, how long have you been doing this? Uh, dedicated, like working yeah, dedicated. on five, yeah, yeah. five years. Five years. Mr. T? I mean, I've been shooting for... No, that doesn't count. That's why, that's why I said dedicated to it. Because if I have to go, oh, I started shooting when I was five, that's not representative of my I, skill. I started in the training business and, and, and I've come a long way since then, but I started in the training business 22 years, fuck I'm old, 22 years ago. <laughs> yes. Uh, I've been dedicated to, to shooting for about six or seven years. Okay. Really dedicated from about 2015, so five years. Okay, so let's 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 take on an average of five years. Most of the guys that goes out and buys a gun, how long do you think they spend time on actually getting to know the firearm, going on courses, getting their shit together, and actually learning how to work that firearm properly? Because I can tell you now from what I've seen, very, very few people have 
when I when you say dedicated, that has actually gone to courses to go and shoot and learn how to operate the gun. Trying now to think that they can actually do that under duress with a guy coming at you, even if it, I come at you with a knife or I'm trying to get my hands on you to take your gun away or I have a gun as well. So that's where my problem comes in. That's why I say with something like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you need years and years of training because you have to go through every conceivable position with almost every type of body that you can to learn what to do and also importantly, what not to do. And the thing with BJJ is you have to, for what I like about it the most is the mindset thing because that's a big thing for me because I suffer a lot from getting into my own headspace and doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and the boxing it's sort of like doing a Rubik's cube with another person I have to figure out the perfect way to do a move to pin you down to get that finish to get that arm bar or the the leg lock or to subdue you in a specific way to get the tap if that's what I'm going for I have to figure it out and the thing is people think that they can step onto a firing range or in real life pull their gun under duress and have a favorable outcome you guys have been doing it for years and you'll be the first people to say uh maybe maybe not and that's pretty much the same thing with martial arts so you you have to spend time to do it to get good at it like i said i've got 27 years of punching people in the face so i think i can do it relatively okay but am i going to step into a cage with say mike tyson not necessarily i'm going to shoot him in the kneecaps just my personal opinion but anyways so yeah, I, I've been going at it for about five years, but I've only been competing for, I think, three years. And my skill improvement in the last three years is exponentially greater than the first two years. And the reason for that is because my skills are getting tested regularly. Sure. Um, I, I have one motivation to train because I want to be better. And two, I can see when I don't train because my match performance goes down. Now, we don't get to shoot people in the face for training. Um, sure. So we don't get to punch them in the face, the, the, the equivalent of that. But we're doing the, 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 the not quite full speed, but sort of half speed sparring uh, against paper targets. And the dudes who are committed to doing that have far greater fundamentals and far greater gun handling skills than the guys who think they know how to shoot guns um, because they've been in the police or the military or, or, or some other security or whatever. Because they're not, they're, they're yeah. not getting tested. I mean, perhaps at one stage they were better than the people in their company, but the people in their company wasn't me or Gaz or Tarek. Uh, yeah. or Albert or it, it, it wasn't top level shooters. It was, you were better than the dude on the farm, which is not a measure of skill. <laughs> but, but that's, that's my problem. Like I say, with martial arts. So a lot of guys go, yeah, because you're not sparring hard because you're not shooting real humans. You don't know what it's like. Yeah. It's bullshit. I don't have to hit you hard to know that I can hit hard. Yep. 
I'd, trust me, I'd like to hit you hard, but if I hit you hard, you're not going to come back. Same as I if I shoot you for real, you're not going to come back. I can hit you semi-hard and I can give you a, a, a response that I want and I can put you into a place in your headspace where you are going to your fight, flight, or freeze response. I can do that. I don't have to be an ass to do it. I just have to do certain things to get your headspace into that thing. And the same thing for you guys. Put a timer on you and look what happens. Yep. Everything that you've learned, all the fundamentals goes wonky. So yep. I don't have to shoot a real person. I don't have to hit you real, real hard. Yeah, I can teach you and I can condition you and I can I can show you once or twice every now and again the error of your ways. But um, like I say, ultimately at the end of the day, there's not a lot of people that genuinely, genuinely want that type of uh, training. In the old days, it used to be like that, but... Unfortunately, we've become a little bit softer and we've, we've created certain expectations for ourselves. People don't want to work hard at things anymore. Everybody wants the, the quick fix. They want to quickly learn how to shoot or they quickly want to learn how to disable a person. If I do one weekend course on my fighting, I should be able to disarm 20 people with blades. I can, I can do that. And that's the furthest from the truth. Even with all my years of training and stuff that I've done, and even my coach, you'll be the first person to tell you, if you're not constantly honing your skills and working at it, you become rusty. You become, uh, your skills are perishable. You're not going to be able to perform at optimum performance if you don't keep your training current. And that's for knife fighting, that's for basic hand-to-hand -hand combat, and that's for shooting. And that's for shooting with a bunch of guns, not just handguns, we're talking shotguns, um, ARs, and all the rest of that type of stuff. So yeah, man, it's you, you, you have to train, you have to put yourself out there and you have to accept the truth that it's not as easy as you think it is to be good at the stuff that you do. It takes time, it takes a lot of dedication to do that. Absolutely. People don't seem to get that. Everyone wants to do house penetration and uh, as, as groups. We're going to go in, me and six of my closest buddies are going to go kick the door on this fake house. And then you look at your reality and you're like, I don't carry an AR every day. I don't wear body armor. I don't have six buddies. I have exactly. me and a handgun. <laughs> That's not most people's reality. For some people, that is reality. Sure, sure. Not for the dudes who are paying for that training generally. Generally, that, that state-sponsored training when you need it. So. Sure. <laughs> state-sponsored, I like that. <laughs> so, because we, we have been at this for a while. Um, Jacques, you mentioned earlier that, that anyone who, who wants to try out the school, um, you offer them two weeks of free training. So that's, that's four classes, basically. Uh, Pretty much. Pretty much. If you decide to do the boxing and the jujitsu, it'll equate to eight classes. If you come Monday through to Thursday, and then again the next week, Monday through to Thursday. But if you just want to do either or, then it's four classes. And I'm assuming, because weirdly enough, Quinay and I have had a similar discussion. Um, because for some reason he doesn't want to spar with me. Um, That's not what I said. Gee, I, <laughs> gee, I wonder why. <laughs> that is, is it a, what I said. 
<laughs> I mean, it's it's probably a really good idea for someone to come in and and try a little bit of try some jujitsu, try some stand up stuff, and yeah. and see where they are with that as well. I mean, and and the fact is, they can save a hell of a hell of a lot of money in those two weeks. So they might as well jump in a little bit and. And, and they may find that while they thought that they really wanted to do some sort of stand-up striking game, that jiu-jitsu just sort of is a better fit. Yeah. Uh, yep. Um, so we're going to obviously put your contact details in the show notes and that, but what, what is the, what's the quickest best way to get a hold of you? Is it through the Facebook page or? Um, you, they, people can reach me, um, via WhatsApp. Uh, that's one of the, my preferred ways to, to communicate because it's quick, easy. I can see when you read my messages, um, I can respond to that very, very quickly. Um, my number is 083-501-4401. If they want to contact me that way, or they can send me an email, which is jacques.wagner at gmail.com and that's uh, J-A-C-Q-U-E-S or alternatively they can go to crazymonkeycenturion.co.za or just search on Google for Crazy Monkey that'll be the quickest way if you if you don't remember any of the details obviously if you're on Facebook you can type in Crazy Monkey Centurion and that should come up on Facebook as well and you can contact me through the through the Facebook page and you can also see what the studio looks like we are in an exclusive boutique studio so what I mean by that is, is you're not going to walk in and there's going to be 500 guys on the mat with you we only allow generally like 10 to 12 people on the floor at any given time because I do believe that we have to give personal training to the people that you walk away with a skill if you one of 50 people in a class i can't possibly get to everybody in the evening and if i if you miss out on something or you start teaching yourself something wrong there is some issues with regards to that and i would much rather teach you the right way and start thinking about how we need to do this and how i can fix the game up because we believe in that personal attention also, we try to focus on, like I say, the smaller group classes. So what we also have on offer is we have one-on-one -on -one training. So we do offer private classes. Um, it is a little bit more expensive than the standard run-of-the-mill classes where you go into a group environment, but then obviously you are yourself with the trainers. You get that direct response. And a lot of people prefer that. And that's our niche market is that because a lot of people don't want to train with other people because they, they don't like it. They want that personal attention for themselves and obviously what you put in is what you're going to get out so if you it's performance based so the more you train the more this the technique starts sticking you start getting that muscle memory down you start moving in a specific way your body will move in its natural intelligence and that's what we're trying to achieve like i said i don't like big groups classes in the sense of there's 20 30 40 people i can handle a lot, but I would much rather make sure that you get the stuff down when I show it to you and you are able to apply it if you need to in real life. So yeah, so contacting me, email, like I say, Google, you can send me a WhatsApp or you can contact me through my Facebook page. No problems. Awesome. I will put all that information in the show notes. Uh, so it'll be linked in the Facebook uh, post for the uh, actual show going live, but it'll also be in the actual show notes on all your podcasting stuff. So if you're listening to this and you need to get the information, just click the details button. It'll be there. And, and, and money where my mouth is, I've been paying to go there for a couple of years now. 
um, and I still keep going back. So uh, I, I can't, you know, I can't do better than vote with my own wallet. Um, well, I well, must be doing something right then. I was about to say that you need to take that with a grain of salt because Tarek is famously not very smart. He <laughs> <laughs> mentions it at every single class, though. That's the scary thing. <laughs> he does mention He it. does. <laughs> Because I keep coming back. (laughs) (laughs) And then the most important question of the evening, November 28th, Tyson or Jones? Tyson is going to murder Jones. That's the correct He's going to totally, totally annihilate him. (laughs) My money is a safe bet on Tyson. And I think then the... The, the next most important question is, are we all going to be in a pub drinking a beer, watching the fight? Oh, we've got to get together to watch that fight. It's going to be spectacular. We, yeah, I, th- I think that's a, that's a very good idea. We need to awesome. do something about that. And if you haven't watched the footage of Tyson training, you need to Google that because that is a 53-year-old man who moves like he's 30 years younger still. Uh, yeah. It's uh, and I believe I, I heard tonight it's going to be two minute rounds, so it's gonna it's gonna suit him even better. It's it's uh, not going to last more than one round. <laughs> I don't see it going. Uh, they're going to go. Are you ready? Are you ready? Get a ding out. Double hook, uppercut, lie down, sleepy. I I I think Roy Jones Jr. is going to climb out the ring and run away. That's what I honestly think is going to happen. He's not going to stand and fight. <laughs> oh, has he taken training from you, Jacques? Because you know. you were you were very like into that Nike defense. Of course, I dude, I run like a champion. I run like a god. <laughs> if, feet, if my feet actually touch the ground when I run, I'm losing speed. That's the problem. That is, that is a wise man talking. Yeah, I don't, I don't claim to know how to fight. I'm not the best. I'm not the best when it comes to things like that. But I've never had a blue eye when I fought because I never turn around when I run away. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell Jacques thanks so much for joining us we really appreciate your time this evening no, no, thanks thanks for having me I hope I hope that the listeners actually gain something out of it and uh, like I say they don't necessarily have to come to, to Crazy Monkey just be wise with the place that they choose when it does regard goes to training what they what they what they want to do. And I would always recommend that if, if they want to know something and even if you're staying in another province, drop me an email and I can also tell you if these people are legit or not. I will do that for the listeners as well if they want to take up some form of a, a self-defense type thing or self-preservation thing. Outstanding. Excellent. Jacques, thank you so much. Awesome talking to you again. And I'm sure I'll yeah. be seeing you uh, really soon. Yeah, you'll see me for the secondary knife defense course, the intermediate one. I know, yeah. we're going to nag him to go see you before that. Is is there yeah. some more bites in that one? Ooh, dude, and you know it. Because that's how I get sold on these. <laughs> oh, well, All the well, in that case, there will be a lot of biting just for you. Oh, nice. Nibbling, sorry, oh, nibbling, nibbling, oh, I like to se- nibble. Sexy bites, nibbles. Here we go, there we go. <laughs> <There> we go. <laughs>
<laughs> Rock, thanks very much for your time. Uh, we really appreciate it, and it's been a really good chat to you. Um, That's all good, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed myself, so... That's all that matters to me. Later, losers. <laughs> Laters.